So, okay, so here we are. I'm going to talk to you about goats and coats. Can you say goats and coats? Goats and coats, kind of a weird title, but. So a few days ago, I was talking to Pastor Marcus. Pastor Marcus was really excited. His, he has the office across from me, and I'm actually like his seminary counselor sponsor right now. And, um, and so we have interaction anyway about that. But um, he was excited because uh, he has someone in his family who's newly born again, and some of you know who I'm talking about, and he also has a cousin. And so he has started like a, kind of like a FaceTime Bible study on the book of James with these, with these two brothers, right? And so Marcus was super excited about it. He was telling me all about it and how grateful he was and what God's doing. So I got excited about that. So I started looking over the book of James again, right? And, and some of you know that whenever you tell me that you're studying something and if you ask me a question, I will literally overwhelm you with more material than you can read in a year, all right? It's just my nature because I'm naturally curious and I'm very intrigued by Bible study. And so some time ago in 2018 in our Thursday men's Bible study, we studied the book of James for a number of weeks. And so I, in the light of all of this and Marcus's enthusiasm, I thought, well, I'll just, I'm going to start rereading the book of James and just kind of revisit it. So I read it in English. I read some in Greek, you know, and just kind of refreshing it in my mind. And so what I want to do tonight is take you on a very short journey, hopefully brief and amazing, uh, through the scriptures, in particularly talking about a link between the book of Genesis and stories in the book of Genesis and relating it to principles from the book of Jacob, the book of Jacob. And so many of you know that I love to encourage people to make thematic connections between scriptures, like old and new, and kind of following the motifs or the themes of scripture, ideas that form common threads. And it makes the Bible come alive, if you will, engage yourself in that, because then you'll begin to see not just a story and not just your favorite verse and not just an encouragement for your day, but you'll understand God's merciful, great plan through the scriptures. I remember many years ago in Bible college, a young, young Spanish guy uh, had come up from Mexico and he was all excited because uh, he had come across a book in an evangelism and discipleship method called, in Spanish, El Plan de Dios, um, A Través de la Biblia. I had to remember it. And my Spanish is not good, but um, the plan of God across the Bible, essentially, all right? And so, and so, the motif understanding is important to see the common threads, this plan of God through the scriptures. It's uh, commonly known as being a part of biblical theology, and that's a thing as opposed to systematic theology, and it's also known as intertextuality. So let's look in our Bibles uh, at the book of Jacob, whether you have it on your phone or tablet or something like that. We're going to look at the book of Jacob. Y'all are not doing anything. 
Where is the book of Jacob in the Bible? Do you know? Can you find it in your table of contents? No, you can't. Why is that? Huh? So we're going to read from Jacob chapter 1. And put it up on the screen there. James, Yaakovos, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is this? Well, James is just the anglicized form of Jacob. So all the James in your New Testament are actually called Jacob, all right? But probably going back to when King James decided he wanted to have a Bible authorized in English, they decided to use the anglicized version of Jacob's name and call him James. So we use James, but it's really Jacob, Jacobus. So in the book of Jacobus, in chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So as I was reading this, I noticed the word for various, which is pikilis. All right? That's the word for various. And when I was reading that, I remembered that this is the same word used in the Greek version of the Old Testament, which we call the Septuagint. The same word used in the Greek version of the Old Testament for, for Joseph's coat of various colors. Right? So I began to think about that, and I'm thinking, and remember, I'm trying to make connections here, right? So just follow me. I hope I won't bore you. But I'm trying to make connections, right? I'm trying to see thematic motifs strung through the Scriptures. So I don't think it's any accident that here in the New Testament we have someone named Jacob, Yaakov, right, in Hebrew. We have someone named Jacob who is writing about various kinds of troubles. And I'm thinking, who better to write about various kinds of trials than someone named Jacob? Because in the Old Testament, Jacob went through a lot of trials, and part of his trials were due to him giving the coat of various colors to his son Joseph and showing him favor over and above the rest of his brothers. There's a lot of trouble happened with that. Favoritism, by the way, is one of the themes that James deals with, that the book of James talks about. If you see someone come into your synagogue, is what it literally is, and they've got fine clothes on and that sort of thing, and you say, oh, sit here, I'm paraphrasing, sit here in this really good seat. And then you see somebody poorly dressed and they're looking kind of motley, you know, and, and you say, well, sit here at my feet, sit, sit, sit here at my, on the floor at, at my feet. He said, you're showing favoritism, and that's not right. So who better than a New Testament Jacob to talk about Old Testament Jacob with his trials, right, as a result of the many-colored coat and his extra favoritism to his son, Joseph. So I began to think more about this. And so tonight, let's just look quickly at the stories and themes surrounding the life of Jacob in the Old Testament and make some connection to the wisdom from the New Testament, Jacob or James. And in so doing, what I want to do is I want to whet your appetite to begin searching the Scriptures 
and make these connections, especially finding Jesus everywhere you go. Amen? Because he opened their minds and talked to them about everything that was in the law and the Psalms and the prophets and the writings concerning himself, right? So, Jacob's name means generally a supplanter, right? One who grabs by the heel, one who replaces, right? So, you know, and years ago we used to call it Jake the Jipper, right? So, he, he was a supplanter. He was deceptive, not really telling the whole truth, and it was motivated primarily by self-protection and self-gain. So, in, in the book of Genesis, we see a lot of deception that occurs in the line of the patriarchs, including Jacob. For example, in Genesis 12, Abraham deceives Pharaoh about Sarah because he was afraid that Pharaoh would you know, take her into his harem. So he calls him his sister. Bad deal. God rescued him from that deal. Isaac deceives Abimelech about Rebekah like his dad did, right? Same kind of thing, Genesis 26. Rebekah deceives Isaac, Genesis 27. Jacob deceives his father Isaac and his brother Esau. And that's in Genesis 27. Genesis 29, Laban deceives Jacob about Leah and Rachel. In uh, Genesis 37, Judah and his brothers deceive Jacob about Joseph's death. In Genesis 38, Tamar, the daughter-in-law of Judah, deceives Judah. So a number of these deceptions involve coats and goats. Rebekah, Jacob, Leah, Laban, Judah, and his brothers, and Tamar all involve a change of clothes and sometimes a goat. For example, whenever they, were, uh, whenever they sold Joseph actually to the traders who took him as a slave to be sold in Egypt, they took Joseph's coat of many colors and they slaughtered a goat, had a picnic with the goat, and then took the blood, put it on Joseph's coat, and then said, took it back to Jacob and said, do you recognize this? And of course, he's heartbroken, things, thinking he lost his son right? They deceived him with a coat and a goat. So we have all this deception going on. Rebekah and Jacob versus Isaac and Esau. Laban and Leah over Jacob and Rachel. Judah and his brothers over Jacob and Joseph. Joseph's coat of many colors. Tamar, who would not be given a husband by her father-in-law to replace the husbands that she lost per the proper, what's called, leverate law. She disguises herself, goes down to where uh, uh, she knows Judah has gone, her father-in-law, disguises herself as a temple prostitute and gets pregnant by her own father-in-law. When, when, when Judah can't pay her because he doesn't have a goat with him, right? He said, she says, well, you know, he said, what can I give you? And she asked for basically his credit cards, right? Give me your, give me your driver's license, your social security number, and your credit cards, basically, in modern parlance, you know, give me your signet, the rope, the, the seal, the staff, 
All of these are marks of who you are. And the rabbis often say that he also gave his outer garment to her. So then when she comes up pregnant as a result of that dangerous liaison, right, then Judah makes this pronouncement, she's guilty, burn her. But thank God Tamar kept the stuff, right? And she says, look, coats, credit cards, driver's license, the man whom I am pregnant by gave me these. And Judah says, she is more righteous than I am. Amazing story. What a strange story to stick in the middle of the Joseph saga. But it's there because there's redemption in Judah later on. It's an amazing, and we don't have time to, to get there just want to wet, wet your appetite and begin to think about these things. Tamar changes her clothes and deceives her father-in-law, takes his identity signs because Judah has no goat. Later, he tries to send the goat, but she's not there. And she gets the best of him in just, justly, you might say, gets the best of him. So very often, deception brings trouble and trials. That's the whole lesson of all of this this line of patriarchs, deception brings trouble and trials. Deception results in a loss of identity. Joseph was once the favored son, blessed by his father, given a coat, and yet Joseph struggled even then with his own identity because he's trying to get, he, he has these dreams, you're going to be over you're, I'm going to be over you. You're going to bow down to me one day, brothers and dad. Shall we bow down to you? And so when daddy sends him away, kind of in anger, to go see his brothers to check on the, what's going on as far as their flocks, they see him coming for a long ways and then plot to kill him initially. But then eventually Reuben and Judah decide, well, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. Jacob had stolen, in Jacob's case, he'd stolen Esau's birthright by deception, and now his own son, his favorite son, is lost due to deception. Joseph lost his identity several times. In part, it was his own fault because he told him of his dreams that his brothers and father would all bow down before him. One day, he brought a bad report about his brothers, it says. So his dad thinks he's dead. He's stripped of his coat. Je Joseph is stripped of his future and the blessing from his father and his dreams. So he ends up in Potiphar's house, serves Potiphar faithfully, and he's blessed and promoted, and he's given a new change of clothes. Suddenly he's second in command of this uh, Egyptian, uh, you know, head dude. <laughs> And so, as he's serving, you know the story, he's serving, and because he's good-looking, Potiphar's wife decides she wants to seduce Joseph. But the beautiful thing about Joseph's heart is he says, why should I sin against God? You know, when you're in the middle of a trial and you're tempted to do something else, you should say, 
Why should I sin against God? And Joseph has this, this beauty about him in that he loves God more than anything else. Judas succumbed to temptation. Tamar's father-in-law, Joseph, did not. And what happens in the house? You remember the story? She grabs him. He runs away. And what does he leave behind? His coat. And she starts crying the crocodile tears, fit for Africa, by the way, and uh, holds up the coat. He tried to rape me. And so he's sent down to the pit. He was in a pit. He was sold into Egypt, worked his way up, lost his clothes again, lost his identity, lost his authority, lost his blessing, lost his ability to serve, and was back down in the pit. Yet through all this, God was with him. In Genesis 19.2, the Lord was with Joseph. In Genesis 39.3, the Lord was with him. In Genesis 39.5, the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for jo Joseph's sake. In Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph. In Genesis 39.23, the Lord was with him. So the New Testament book of Jacob, James is full of practical wisdom on how to avoid and also deal with the trials of life. In particular, there's a great deal of exhortation from James in the area of speech ethics. When to speak, when not to speak, how to speak, when and how, and to whom to speak, and whom not to speak to. In fact, James is full of imperatives. There's about 54 imperative verbs, like verbs of command, in 108 verses. So one in every two verses in the book of James contains a, a practical do this, do this, do this, do this. And so Jacob in the New Testament is helping us to avoid the problems and the difficulties of life. Amen. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, he says. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. So Joseph's tests, he brought up a bad report. Jacob, or James, in the New Testament says, bridle your tongue. The tongue is a fire. Watch what you say. Nobody could tame it. Joseph went through another test, wealth, recognition, and preferential treatment. Jacob gave it to Joseph, and so did Potiphar. But James in the New Testament says, my brothers don't show partiality. Somebody comes in with a gold ring and fine clothing, you know? It's not about the outward, amen? It's about the inward. God has chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. Don't dishonor the poor man. He warns the rich man, howl, you rich man. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. All kinds of things we could say. Joseph went through another test. Potiphar's wife first says, oh, come on, come lie with me. Come on. Come on. You can, you know, it'll be, it'll be so much fun. And we'll have a good time. And, and then when he refuses, then she says, he tried to rape me. He, he needs to go to prison. He should be killed for what he did. Out of the same mouth, James says, proceeds bitter water and sweet. 
Don't be compromised by speech. Amen? Somebody tempts you, it's always going to sound good, right? Another test Joseph went through, he was forgotten in prison by his family and by the cupbearer for whom he interpreted a dream. The New Testament, Jacob says, visit the widows and the orphans and the forgotten in their afflictions. It's pure religion. Joseph had, had another test, trouble from deception. Jacob, James, in the New Testament says, don't be deceived. And by the way, the word deceived in, in Greek here means, uh, you know, one of the nuances of meaning is to be covered with the wrong garment. Coats and goats. Don't forget whose you are and who you serve. Who you serve. Be doers of the word, James says, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't be like the person who looks at himself in the mirror and then right away goes away and forgets what he's supposed to be like, right? Potiphar's wife used Joseph's garment to strip Joseph of his position by deceit. So what's the answer? James tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And if you need wisdom about your situation, when you're in trouble or you've been lied about or you've been deceived yourself or you've lost position, you've lost your coat, you have no goat, or the goat's got your coat, what are you to do? You're to pray for wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men freely and doesn't hold it back. And then he defines what wisdom is. From above, it's first pure, gentle, peaceful. Look for God's wisdom in your situation. Amen. The purpose of renewing our mind, transforming our character so that we can have the ability to ascertain, discern, evaluate, or prove by testing, determined by scrutiny, the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's Romans 12, 2.